and welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Zara Timsa, the AI governance and ethics leader at Mass Mutual Life Insurance, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist helping companies adopt and utilize emerging digital tools. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is part of a special series on women in AI that we are very excited about here at Fortress IQ, and Elizabeth Middleman from our marketing team who has been driving the program is participating in the session as well. On this episode, we are going to explore ethics and AI within the health industry, AI-enabled tools have been used in pockets of the sector for some time now, especially drug design models and medical imaging. But the next generation of technology promises even more, and no corner of the $10 trillion global health industry will remain untouched. Someday, consumer-facing apps may become so advanced that they are able to provide affordable healthcare services to billions of people globally with limited access to traditional services. But these advances do not come without risk, as biases in AI raise ethical concerns and present health risks to patients and financial risks to providers and payers. It's a fascinating topic, and we've got an incredible person to discuss it with. Welcome to the program, Zara. Thanks again for joining us on Hello Human and participating in our Women in AI series. When we were first introduced, I've got to admit that I was intimidated by your credentials. You've got all sorts of acronyms after your name. You hold a master's, an MBA, as well as a PhD, and not in fluffy topics. We're talking advanced molecular biology, as well as cancer biology from MD Anderson, one of the preeminent research institutions in the world. On top of that, you've served as CEO of an AI and big data company and CTO for a healthcare and insure tech enterprise. And now you're leading AI governance for a Fortune 100 company. Just an incredibly inspiring background. Can you maybe highlight one or two of your proudest achievements in your educational and professional career? Hi, John. Hi, Elizabeth. So glad to be here today. And and thank you guys for inviting me. I think your team is doing wonderful work and it's highly educational and it's highly insightful. So thank you. Let me just give you a very quick overview about myself and then I'll highlight a couple of basically my proudest achievements, so to speak. So I started my career um, early on in my life. So after getting my bachelor's and master's degrees in molecular biology and biochemistry, I worked for a pharmaceutical company um, at a very young age to create medications for prostate cancer. And the drugs were actually approved and went to market. So that was amazing. Back then, I discovered that I have a passion for biostatistics. And the, I appreciated the importance of the development and application of statistical methods in the design of experiments and the collection and analysis uh, of data and result implementation. Early on, I also discovered that coding and, and programming languages can help advance the healthcare and medical field. So I started researching and learning more and more about machine learning and AI. So one of the most exciting periods in my life was actually my PhD and postdoctoral training time uh, at UT Health uh, MD Anderson here in Houston. My focus was cancer, drug discovery and development, and I was lucky enough to publish in high-impact journals. And shortly after, because of those achievements, I got selected to be part of 250 Great Minds, which is a competition in the UK and specifically at the University of Leeds. So I was selected as a tenure track faculty member. I was a principal investigator with my own team and centralized funding. Um, I also landed Wellcome Trust and Royal Society funding. Then I decided to pursue an MBA 
while working at the university because of another critical observation. Business practices drive the healthcare industry. So I needed to know business. I needed to know management. I needed to know finance to ensure that valuable work is socialized and implemented in an efficient manner. So then I just decided to apply what I learned and worked as a consultant for companies like Bristol-Myers Squibbs and Johnson & Johnson during the era where cancer immunotherapy discovery and development was the buzz. So you know what they say, necessity is the mother of invention. So with the life science landscape being increasingly complicated, I found out that companies must constantly evolve. And what better way than the adoption of artificial intelligence, which we can discuss in a bit. So another great achievement is when I got offered a job as the VP of operations and uh, the director of AI at an immunotherapy company here in Houston. So I helped them develop a healthcare AI program from scratch. And this advanced their R&D, it advanced their clinical projects as well. And partly because of that, they became publicly traded. They went IPO. So I would just end it by saying the biggest achievement for me basically is starting my own companies, starting my own startup companies. One of them is called Assurance and the other one is called AMCL. So at both Assurance and AMCL, I worked as an executive, as a CEO and a CTO. AMCL is actually an award-winning AI and data analytics company. It has its international presence and it specializes in AI software and data-focused services. So in a very short period of time, we managed to cater to financial institutes, to insurance companies, to healthcare companies, and so on. And the company went from just being a startup and in a couple of years, it's revenue generating, it's producing millions and millions every year. So you see, it's all about genuinely caring about advancing the field, finding a market gap and jumping on the opportunity to be creative and and address the market need. That's great, Zara. Just an incredible background. You know, drug discovery notoriously moves at a glacial pace. I spent a number of years accelerating clinical trial startup and working in discovery as well as helping automate the analysis of electrocardiograms at one point. As you recognized, it's really a big data problem that can benefit from AI. Can you talk a bit about your experience integrating AI into the drug discovery process? Are there any other opportunities within the medical field where AI can solve other challenges? Sure. And I absolutely agree with what you said. Artificial intelligence is an overarching term. And that is widely used in the medical field. And I can only speak from my experience based on the systems I've developed so far. So I've used algorithms to try and mimic human logic and cognition so that we can analyze, we can understand, and we can present solutions to complex medical problems based on the training data set, based on the input data. So when it comes to drug development, you know, the vast chemical space fosters the development of a large number of drug molecules. So there is a lack of advanced technologies, and this can limit the drug development process, making it a time-consuming and expensive task. And this can be addressed by using artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence in the drug discovery field can recognize hit and lead compounds, and it can provide a quicker validation of the drug target. And in a way, the optimization of the drug structure design. So artificial intelligence can really be used effectively in different parts of drug discovery. You can use it in drug design, you can use it in chemical synthesis, in drug screening, and also to address polypharmacology. And drug repurposing, why not? AI can help identify new therapeutic uses for old or existing available drugs. 
But that's not the only example where AI has been used in the medical field. AI can be used to diagnose diseases. So one of the areas where AI in healthcare has shown the most promise is in the diagnostics field. Uh, as you know, for the majority of diseases, early diagnosis is one of the most critical factors in the ultimate outcome of patient's care. So, for example, take cancer, AI deep learning algorithms. We've used these to shave down the time it takes to diagnose cancer patients. So the way AI rapidly processes this large amount of medical information and arrives at likely medical cause for the cancer symptoms, this can dramatically reduce the diagnosis treatment recovery cycle for cancer patients. And um, the effect of this are already being felt in, in, in several types of cancer, from leukemia, prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, and whatnot. Another example that I can give for the use of AI in the medical field is radiology. So deep learning algorithms, AI algorithms, they can diagnose scans results. So they can compare images with tens of thousands of other scans from healthy patients. So these AI can identify potential, if we, for example, if you're talking about um, head scans, they can identify potential lesions and abnormal regions in the brain. So let's say a neurological disorder like epilepsy, you know, it spreads across the brain. So if AI is used to identify abnormal scans as early as possible, this would be crucial in improving patients' treatment options and also, of course, their ultimate outcomes. Zara, thank you again for joining us for the Women in AI series. We're so happy to have you. In a previous conversation, you had described machine learning and AI as a hobby. How did your hobby transform into a career? Yeah, Elizabeth, that's an excellent question. And you know what they say, you choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So this is what I did. I found that there is a market gap and AI can be an essential part in driving businesses and innovation forward. So after doing market research, I found a market opportunity where my skills and knowledge are unique and needed. So my hobby, transforming into career, wasn't really driven by convenience, but by prospect, by the need to feel fulfilled. So I stayed true to my vision. I stayed true to my brand. I got enough exposure and I networked a lot. I listened to feedback. I listened to criticism. And whenever you can, you should always listen to feedback and criticism because enthusiasm and, and passion can be a curse in disguise and can really keep us from seeing obstacles, especially if we're trying to transform a hobby into a career. So I made sure to factor in constructive feedback. Uh, I never stopped brainstorming. So my startups, the two companies that I, that I started, mainly AMCL and, and Assurance, they reflect a hobby transforming to a career and both initiatives were driven by inventiveness. They were driven by imagination. But most importantly, the intention to encourage the market and meet the market needs. And do you have any advice to individuals who may have their own passions and interests, but they may be unsure if those interests could actually lead to a possible career pathway? Yeah. So I think it's always important to, to ensure that the skills you have are unique skills. They are needed skills. It's always important to research. It's always important to read because, again, like I said, it's not just about doing something that is not just important for you to be skilled, but it's also important for you to fill a gap, to meet a need. So think about that. Is what I, what I do unique enough? Is it needed? Is it addressing a problem? Can I do it better than others? 
I've got to agree that when you love what you do, it makes life much easier to get out of bed in the morning and get to work. You know, Zara, our CEO is very passionate about ethics and AI. Our official mission is to unlock the limitless potential of the global workforce by accelerating the responsible and ethical use of AI in the enterprise. So it's not surprising that we spend a lot of time and resources to make sure we have the right guardrails in place to avoid using our platform for any nefarious activities. You've got a background, obviously, working to ensure the proper governance for AI is in place. What about some best practices for an organization, you know, maybe just starting out in that journey and then maybe, you know, some best practices for companies that already have a program in place but want to take it to the next level? Yeah. So for organizations that have just started to think about AI governance, the case usually is to bring an expert on board to ensure that any development efforts, any AI development efforts are in compliance with regulations and the principles of AI. And when I say principles of AI, there is actually a list of principles that I will explain in a sec. So these experts, they what they'll do is they'll try to establish and implement morally responsible and defensible AI platforms from an ethical perspective. It's hard to achieve, right? But AI principles must be translated into actionable steps so that they can guide, they can influence the company operations. So for that, experts with both technical and business skills are needed most of the time so that they can contextualize these principles into guidelines, into best practices that really drive AI development and risk mitigation. So some principles that we need to focus on are the following. The first one being fairness. So this principle is concerned with ensuring that the artificially intelligent systems don't harm people, don't harm customers through inequitable treatment. So biases in data, they must not be reproduced. They must not be accelerated by integration with artificial intelligence. So this is something very important to keep in mind once you started to adopt a, an AI governance uh, program. You also need to ensure that the AIs being developed are developed with full trust and transparency. So many AI systems are black boxes. There is often a need for explainability, interpretability as well. So this is another thing that we should keep in mind. The third principle is accountability. So when an AI governance program is being developed, this program must focus on ensuring that AI systems are the, as you know, it's they're usually a result of a complex supply chain. You have internal, you have external elements. This involves data providers, they involve data scientists, technology providers, and systems uh, integrators. You need to have an accountability framework in place to kind of nurture the sense of responsibility and ensure that AI systems are developed, again, responsibly and fairly. Most importantly, the social benefit. So any AI governance program that's being developed, it should keep in mind that AI systems must benefit the, the, the society. It must benefit people. And if you look at a recent example, right now in our current climate, this aspect of social benefit is crucial, especially for companies that are trying to leverage AI to develop a COVID vaccine, right? So these companies um, are prioritizing human benefit over technological advancement because they want to achieve social benefit. Another thing that one must keep in mind when creating an AI governance program is privacy and security. As AI systems are trained and then used to differentiate treatment, they need to respect individuals' privacy. So between GDPR, between CCPA, this is the principle that has already seen the most legislation. So it is one of the most important aspects. Now, if AI governance program is already present at the company, then in order to use it securely and efficiently, 
in a way or another mature it as an asset, a bond of assurance must be forged between developer and user that a given AI outcome is being safe, it's inclusive, it's fair, secure, private, transparent, and accountable. So this is when you bring an expert to ensure that AI governance functions are basically not static processes, but processes that are dynamic, processes that are adaptive, and hence the AI governance processes themselves must be dynamic and adaptive as well. Those are all really great tips. Going back and looking at your career journey, you have had quite the journey in regards to educational and professional career. Would you be able to share a bit more about your current role at Mass Mutual and your participation in the AMCL and Assurance Advisory Committees? Absolutely. So my current career at Mass Mutual, first of all, Mass Mutual is one of the biggest Fortune 100 companies. It provides life insurance, it provides protection products, investment and retirement services, basically. At Mass Mutual, I specialize in leading the Enterprise AI Governance and Ethics Program, creating it from the ground up. And it is something that I've helped other companies achieve as well. So my current role can be summarized as leading the effort to ensure that technologies, and specifically AI technologies, are well-researched, they're well-developed in compliance with regulations, and with the goal of helping stakeholders navigate the adoption of AI systems fairly. I want to stress that the strategic and operational frameworks for AI governance uh, revolve around the basic AI principles I previously mentioned. Basically, what I do is I make sure that there is a program, there is a framework, a context in place to make sure that all of the AI systems being developed at MassMutual are developed in compliance with all of these AI principles to ensure that they are monitored throughout their life cycle and the risk is mitigated, uh, obviously, relative to the risk appetite, relative to the risk tolerance of, of the company. So my roles previously at AMCL and Assurance and as an entrepreneur, I led not just the AI development and the governance, but also fundraising, partnerships, collaborations, and obviously product development efforts. I had major operational, major strategy leadership responsibilities. So just let me point out that my job in general and stemming mainly from having expertise in both business and technology is to bridge gaps between the two fields, between business and between artificial intelligence, so that one can optimize success in the companies to drive revenue generation, to drive customer satisfaction. So whether it's at Mass Mutual, uh, AMCL, or Assurance in the past, I create AI systems, I create AI governance programs that work, that are competitive, and satisfy market needs with state-of-the-art capabilities and in compliance with AI principles, with AI regulations, and ethical considerations. That's amazing. And my final question for you, Zara, for the next generation of women in AI and tech leaders, what advice can you give? Yeah, um, this is a very important question with many options, with many answers, but I will try to keep it short and, and objective, really. So the AI and tech industry, it's a combination of hard skills, but also there is an aspect of emotional intelligence. So one must ensure that we have the perfect blend of both. This needs training. And once attained, it is Believe me, it's a superpower. So I would advise women to have a five-year plan, know what your goals are, and work hard to achieve them. Take initiative, communicate, network to achieve them better, to achieve them faster. Go to conferences, go to meetups, get a mentor. 
So even with the current climate, this can still be done by virtual events. You must certainly connect with successful women in industry to help support you achieve success in your field. Don't wait to be discovered and don't blame others by saying, hey, they didn't let me. Be proactive, not just reactive. And always remember, and this is speaking from experience, that you will fail. Yeah, and you will hear a thousand no. But failure, to me at least, it's not the opposite of success. It is part of success. I know I sound like a cliche, but but hearing another no brings you one step closer to the magical yes, where all doors of opportunity will be wide open. And when that time comes, and definitely the time will come if you work hard enough, you will shine. But when that time comes, be ready, be yourself, and remember that you worked hard for it, so you deserve it. Embrace that opportunity and enjoy it. And please remember, also help others when you get a chance to do so. I do believe when you can combine hard and soft skills to create a superpower, you are unstoppable. That's great insight and a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Zara Timsa, Mass Mutual Life Insurance's AI governance and ethics lead. The next generation of AI-powered products and services has the potential to transform every aspect of the health sector. From accelerated drug research through biophysical modeling, to improved diagnostic accuracy and medical imaging, to smart claims management with self-learning software, no corner of the $10 trillion global health industry will remain untouched. But these advances do not come without risks, as biases in AI raise ethical concerns and present health risks to patients, as well as financial risks to providers and payers. This episode has been part of our special series on women in AI, and a big thanks to Elizabeth Middleman for organizing the series and joining the session today. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Zara, for joining us, and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.